Welcome to the Enlightened Musician Podcast, a podcast all about the music business and learning how to turn your art into an equally successful business, flipping the mentality of a starving artist into a profitable, sustainable career. Each week, we will interview someone that is excelling in their field and talk tips and tricks on how you can implement that for yourself. Because honestly, how can you know what you don't know until you've been enlightened? Welcome to another episode of the Enlightened Musician Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Light, and today we have on Isabella Bedoya, founder of Fame Hackers, helps independent artists blow up their music career using her fame method. Isabella is a former A&R for a label under Sony Music and has had five plus years of digital marketing and social media experience working with major labels, music startups, and Fortune 500 brands. So yeah, we're going to ask her some questions here, a little bit about her life and where she got to where she is. So let's hop on in. All right, you guys, I'm so excited to have a new guest on today. Isabella, thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me and talking music. <laughs> thank you, Lauren. I'm excited for this. Yeah, and I'm excited to talk about you too. Um, well, let's just actually start with the first thing. Let's introduce you to the audience. So if you could just kind of tell me a little background about your story. How did you get into music? How'd you get to where you're at right now? Sure. That's actually, uh, <laughs> it's such a creative um, answer because I actually, you won't expect this actually. I used to be a private chef and what? <laughs> I love it. Okay, I yeah, that was my back door into music. Um, I like, I had this crazy idea and I was like, I want to be in the entertainment industry. Like I want to be in music, but I didn't really know how, and I didn't really have any connections. Right. Which is the, the one thing that people already disqualify themselves for. And I decided I'm going to be a private chef and I'm going to go and work for people in, in LA and I'm going to work for the rich and famous. And that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah it was all thanks to craigslist so <laughs> so crazy yeah long story short uh as soon as i moved to beverly hills um i was like all right how do i actually get into music and then i just did what i always do is just started networking like crazy and then finally that's when i got an, uh, a job as an a so let's talk about that you were had a job as an a what kind of what was that period of your life kind of like what all did you do during all that so it's funny because all my life I've been an A&R without knowing what that meant, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I get hired as an A&R, I'm like, what's an A&R anyway? You know, I'm like Googling on like orientation day. I'm like, what's an A&R? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, my biggest role was like figuring out, um, like scouting for talent. So like I had to actually learn social media in a different way where we're used to just going on their liking our friends stuff. But there's a whole backside to it, right? There's the analytics, the insights, where's the traffic coming from, engagement rates in this whole world. So a lot of it was just actually diving in and uh, and scouting for talent. I had to um, get also better at sales because at the end of the day, no matter what industry you're in, it's all sales. So, um, so that was one of the biggest things. I worked for this label under Sony and they had, um, they also had, they also offered label services. So it would be like bringing people in to record or whatever um, artist development service they needed. That's exciting. So yeah. we are at the A&R stage and we, we leaped into a company because you own a company now, correct? Yes. 
<laughs> so, so let's 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 figure that out. So what is this company that you own? I, I want to hear all about this because cool. it's really cool to dive straight from that being a chef, then going to being an A&R and then starting your own company. Like that's just leaps and bounds. So I, like I'm so interested. So tell us about this company um, that you own now and what absolutely. all you do there. Yeah, absolutely. So Fame Hackers is the name of the company. Um, it really is just like an acronym for foundation, audience, monetization and exposure. And those are kind of like the four steps that every artist or even any brand in general should take, right? Um, So the reason I even got there was I realized, you know, at the end of the day, it's all social media. I was looking for talent on social media. Do they necessarily need to work with with a label? It's ultimately up to them, you know. But at the end of the day, I realized as long as an artist understands social media, digital marketing, and they understand e-commerce, so you can actually sell things online, then that's your music career. And like in today's society, that is your music career. If you then want to bring on a team, if you then want to bring on social media managers, label services, whatever, that's something that you now have the option of doing because you're also bringing revenue in. So you're not like waiting, sitting here waiting to be discovered. Yeah. And I love that. I I really want to, the one good thing about this podcast, uh, we always like to learn a little something. So when you first sent an email over to me, it was so crazy because the first line caught me right away. And it was like, what if I told you the secret to gaining 1 million secret Spotify? And what if I told you that was not your secret? So let's, (laughs) let's learn a couple of things. Uh, We're actually going to, we're going to implement some stuff that you actually teach as well. So I'm going to just kind of go through some questions and we'll kind of answer them if you're cool with that. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. So one thing I want to talk about. So how do you find your ideal fan? So that's like the probably one of the most confusing questions you could ever ask an artist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so the way that, that you can do it, there's there's a couple of, of, of exercises, right? But the most important thing is it doesn't really matter the demographics, the socioeconomic status, all that doesn't really matter. What matters is understanding the pain points and the pleasure points. Right. Because once you understand them to that emotional level, you can connect to them and they'll have loyalty to you because they feel heard. Um, so how do you actually do that? Well, the first thing is one of the um, one of the common themes that I keep seeing is that a lot of artists create music that they wish they heard when they were younger. It just helps them. It helps them cope, go through their own things. So a lot of the times um, their ideal fan is actually their old version of themselves. So it's just finding out more of those people. Right. And when you have when you have that understanding of that of that person, you actually know them in and out because you used to be that person. So now you just have to highlight the pains and pleasures. Um, the other way is just to think about it like if you're going into uh, if you go to like a house party, right, and you just run into a bunch of people that you don't know. What are you guys talking about? What conversations are you having? What interests are coming up? Um, you know, what what's the vibe? What's the personalities like? And then that's when you start getting a little creative and you start diving in a little bit deeper. And of course, then you want to do a little bit research as well. Um, but the biggest thing is just making sure that you understand the pain points and the pleasure points. Yeah. And I know you talk about loyal fans versus like passive listeners. So what's oh, yeah. like the difference? Because I mean, uh, I feel like there is a good difference between those because you find those people. So kind of if you want to dive into that a little bit. Yeah, that's a great question. So passive listeners are essentially like your typical Spotify listeners, right? Where they're listening to your song, maybe they found you in a playlist, but they're not necessarily engaging with you. Um, and that's why Instagram and social media is so important, like even TikTok, because they can actually engage. It's not just like, cool song, next, or like, oh, I love the song, next, go and go to the next one, where you're not necessarily buying anything. So when you can get them from that stage of going from Spotify to your social media to then buying your merch and your stuff, 
that's when they're active and they're super engaged with loyal fans. When you're, and that's also why it's better to actually grow your fan base on social media and transfer them to Spotify because you have the you have control versus growing them on Spotify, not knowing where they are, who they are, or how to reach out to them, and then trying to pass them over to Instagram. I know. I always think about that when it's on Spotify and you see you have a follower count, and that's great. But who who is this follower that you're speaking <laughs> of? Uh, and I think that's a very good point because I never really think of it that way. So I know when you were talking about that first, um, Spotify might not be the be-all, be-all. It's social media and stuff like that. So you're gaining your fans and you're finding out how to build authentic, loyal fans, not just passive ones that can be in that brand. So let's go into that. So how do you actually like optimize your brand to attract that ideal listener? Because we were talking about we need to get them to social media. So is there any kind of things that people can do? Yeah. So so basically it's like the core understanding, right, that all of the artists out there, they're essentially brands, right? Mm-hmm. So if you understand that you operate as a brand, you basically just have to create offers, monetize offers, and then increase your um, brand loyalty, retention, customers, whatever you want to call it. And so when you're thinking about like how to actually create a brand that attracts um, your ideal listeners or your ideal fans, you're thinking about now the biggest skill that everybody should possess. And it's the one thing that every human is after, which is leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, we have presidents, people fight over religion. It's always leadership. So if you can become the leader of your own tribe, and if you can actually embody certain core core um, core values, like impose your own culture, create your own um, and this goes back to earlier when I said, you know, like at the end of the day, people just want to be heard and feel understood, right? So you want to make sure that you're creating this culture that people feel like they belong in. So you actually just need to find like your niche audience, the people that like emanate who you used to be or who you can actually reach out to. That's a really cool uh, way of putting that as well. And I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> Man, I, I'm just like digging into different things. I love this. Um So when we're talking about, because I do know that Spotify is a thing. So let's just say we've built our brand and we are kind of wanting to highlight some of those tools as well. Um, The one big thing right now is payolas and whatnot. And that has kind of screwed over the industry a little bit where people found out like, whoops, uh, my Spotify playlist was taken down or my Spotify account or a song was taken down. And it's hard to sometimes figure out how to do things the right way. Um, especially when that's not really your strong suit. And I know with your company, you do a lot of stuff like that. Um, so how is some like secrets behind actually landing some of those press or playlists without, I guess, doing the, things the wrong way, I guess, is a better way of saying that. Absolutely. Um, so what happens is also like you'll see the higher pre-saves you get, like mm-hmm. the more chances you can go into the algorithm-based playlist on Spotify. So I normally wouldn't necessarily recommend going after like Submit Hub or um, these types of services, even though some might think they're they're great or whatever. But at the end of the day, with especially with Submit Hub, you have to get um, feedback back from the playlist owner. And the cure sometimes the musicians aren't ready for that criticism, so it actually like impacts their mental health in a negative way, right? So oh, yeah. it's one of the things that you have to say like, are you even ready for criticism? Because they will criticize, <laughs> they will give you feedback that might actually crush you. Um, and it's subjective at the end of the day, right? Music is subjective, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter what ex curator says. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're actually finding your ideal fans, and and if you if you actually focus on your ideal fans, 
by default, you'll start getting that traction on Spotify. Like that's just a byproduct of it. Mm-hmm. And when you get that traction on Spotify, then the algorithms come into play, then the editorials come into play, and then you don't have to worry about um, spending all this time, money, and energy hoping that you get on a playlist. I know uh, one of my friends says Summit Hub is the place where musicians' souls go to die. Um <laughs> Every time. And I do agree with that because I think a lot of times your mental uh, capability to promote a song and love a song and not have anyone else's outside influence, because those really are some sites that can just say some things that you're just like, what in the world that came out of left field? They're, some of them are not even really very musical uh, related. So it's just very, so I agree with you on that. And so it's interesting. I think we kind of keep circling the point that music is actually a business and you own your own business. Yeah. And I think a lot of artists do not put that mind frame in. So I do love that we're kind of talking about that. Um, And we're talking about monetization and everything, like all these terms and whatnot. So let's actually go into that. Uh, So how do you effectively monetize your fan base and scale your exposure to maximize revenue? Because I feel like a lot of, a lot of people are just trying to get fans. So let's like, let's take it a step up. What, what even is monetization for anyone that's listening that has no idea what I just said? That's that's a great question. Go into that a little bit. That's a great question because we hear monetization all the time, but what does it actually mean? Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's basically just like, um, like monetizing, right? So it's like making money from whatever service offer, whatever you're doing. Um, the way that musicians do it, the most common ways that we see, and they're not always effective, is we'll see everybody has merch now, right? Everybody's selling their favorite shirts and whatever. The thing is that you have to be strategic. You have to have a strategy behind how you're selling your things. So normally the way that I that I teach it is like you have a value ladder and just literally picture like a staircase. And each uh, level of the staircase is like one price point. So you have your low, your $0 entry point, then you're like your entry point, $50 entry point, so on, all the way to get to the thousands. And what that does, it creates a menu of things that you can offer, right? So you can't get really mad if your fans aren't buying anything if you don't have a menu in the first place. (laughs) (laughs) I never thought of it that way. You're bringing your chef stuff back in. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. Like the chef can't get mad if you don't order something that's not on the menu. (laughs) That's crazy. So let's talk about that a little bit more. So in this menu, is that mainly merch or like what, what's on this menu item, quote unquote? Yeah, no, it can be every, anything, right? So like on the $0 entry point, it can just be like, instead of giving away music for emails, I normally say do something around your culture because music, like when you give away your music for a free email, uh, free download for, for an email exchange, you're devaluing the music and it takes a lot of money to make the music as well, right? This is something that people don't really consider. So I wouldn't necessarily give away the music. I would just say, for example, I have an artist that I'm working with right now and his whole thing is like mental health. So for him, it'll be like, you know, download um, my 12 favorite affirmations that really helped me with uh, when I'm having a bad day. And now you're getting a digital download, right? It's not necessarily that he's a mental health expert, but it's part of his culture that he wants his fans to be, um, you know, aware and like into mental health. Mm-hmm. And the next step, it's something small. It can be uh, $10 or less. And that's just to get something tangible in their hands. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that you're going to make a lot of money from. If anything, your profit there should be a dollar or so. Um, but you just want to get something tangible and something small. It doesn't have to be a shirt. Shirts are too expensive for that. It can be stickers, pens, notebooks, mm-hmm. whatever. Then you have your um, your what we call the monthly recurring revenue. And this is where you can either sell it as $100 for a year, $97 for a year, or you can sell it for 
$10 a month. And the difference is if you pay monthly, you pay $20 more in the course of the year. Mm-hmm. Then from there, <clears throat> excuse me, then from there, you have your VIP monthly membership. So you can charge now like 50 bucks a month or $500 a year, and you're still saving $100. Um, and then from there, you start charging a little bit more, right? Like you can have like custom birthday shout outs. And fun fact, on Facebook, you can actually target people's birthdays coming when they're coming up. So as you start growing your fan base, you can say, um, all the people that are following me that their birthdays are in May, for example, and, and you'll target them and you'll show up on an ad saying, Hey, I know your birthday's coming up and I know you love my music. Would you like me to make a custom video for you? A custom birthday shout out. And so you can sell that for like 200, 500, whatever price you want to put on there. And then you just start getting creative, right? If you have some skills, I have an artist right now that she wants to teach songwriting. So it's like, all right, cool. Let's actually make that into a thing, right? Let's actually make that into uh, part of your offers. So now she has her songwriting thing going on. Um, she can sell it for a thousand, two thousand, even three thousand dollars if she wants to. Mm-hmm. And and you just kind of start scaling from there. But you want to have at least the first four offers that I mentioned. That's going to be on your lower end, and that should always be consistent. The uh, ones above, those are the ones that like passing the VIP uh, monthly membership. That's something that you're going to start customizing based on your culture, on your skills, and what you actually want to do. I love that. Okay. So I've never really even thought about some creative ideas. And <clears throat> like you were talking about too, a lot of us go straight to like the t-shirts or the the things that cost a lot up front to make. And then by the time you're getting your revenue back, like you're, it's just kind of just feeding the money will. Um, <laughs> I, lo- I love some of these ideas. So even that starting out one, if you can make even something that customizes to your fans, that I, I, I just never really thought about that. That's a really cool idea. So um, where do you actually offer this? Because I know we talked about social media, but is that actually where you're offering it? Or is it like a mailing list? Or how? where is that perfect place to start putting those offers out in each stage? It's a great question. So um, some people will use like Squarespace or Wix or Patreon or whatever. My personal mm-hmm. favorite platform is ClickFunnels because ClickFunnels, first of all, it's industry standard, right? Yeah. And uh, for like digital marketing. And second of all, you can't get to the next page unless you completed the offer on the first page. Gotcha. So if in order for you to get, for example, to no one's really going to buy your your top tier offers until they become warm customers, right? They know you, they trust you, they like you. So in the beginning, you just kind of want to get them in your world. You want to get them on the mailing list. That's a free download. You want to get them to maybe give, give you 10 bucks, whatever. That's just now giving you a little bit more trust and credibility, building that relationship. And then the higher tiered offers, those are your, you can offer through your mailing list, right? For the uh people that are already purchasing stuff from you. You can offer it as as OTOs, like one-time offers. You could offer it as exclusive drops every now and then. But the the main bulk of your funnel should always be like, <clears throat> should always be your your free um, ex- thing in exchange of an email, like your free incentive in exchange of email. Next page being your $10 or less offer. And then next page being your monthly recurring revenue. That's crazy. Okay, it, it has my head spinning. And I think it's a really good thing to point out to artists that are on here. Everyone is giving away free music as their mailing list. Everyone is doing the standard. What sets you apart? What would make you stand out? And what would be something like you were saying earlier that as a younger fan or someone would freak out if they saw like, hey, that was free and then tearing up? Because I think, too, you're right. I'm, I'm just all about this right now. Uh, <laughs> You're right. Um, a lot of times people offer these big offerings. Like they get so excited because it's their artwork and their baby, but they haven't even established the first like introduction to somebody that would even like 
get into that stage, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like walking up to someone's doorsteps and, you know, asking them to buy a car when you haven't even said hello. Like, it's just, you know, from one to Beyonce, it's too much. Uh, So I love that. And I think that's a great way of keeping everything kind of creative. So I know we talked about earlier on your sites, you actually have some um, free actually like giveaways, not giveaways, but what are they called? Um, guides, right? The, yeah. So yeah. What, what kind of guides do you actually have that people can check out? Because now like, I want to check them out too. <laughs> <laughs> and the cool thing, Lauren, is that this is applicable even for podcasts, right? It's applicable for any business. Um, so the, and I can send them to you too. So I have two, yeah. I have two. One is uh, seven tips to grow a fan base. And okay. some of the stuff that we're talking today. And then the other one is five ways to monetize your brand. And that goes in a little bit deeper on the value ladder and how to set up those deals. I love that. So everyone that's listening, I will put this in the um, notes. So don't worry. Don't try to grab a pen and paper. We're not driving and wrecking right now. Uh, I will put that in the notes. So definitely check those out. And obviously you've been teaching this and you kind of know what you're doing. So is there anything kind of exciting coming on? I know you mentioned that you're actually doing kind of a a boot camp. So I I don't know much about this. Like, let's actually talk. What, what all is this boot camp? What is it? (laughs) I want to know. That's a great question. So the boot camp (laughs) thing, right? I started, it's called Grow Your Fan Base Bootcamp. I started about six months ago and I was doing it for about once a month. Right now I'm kind of taking a little hiatus for like, I'm going to try it out, um, space it out every two months. But uh, it's really cool because it's just five days of live training. And those five days, first day is like uh, how to figure out your artist identity. Second day is like figuring out your ideal fan. Third day, how to actually use social media effectively. So you're not like spending eight hours a day on social media because at the end of the day, everybody uh, secretly hates social media. (laughs) You know, all do like we love it and hate it all at the same time, depending on the day. (laughs) right it's true everybody's like I hate social media but it's so important so so third day is just talking about how to actually effectively use social media no more than two hours a week um how to create content brand pillars all that and then fourth day is how traffic secrets so like how to actually drive traffic without paying for ads because that's also another mistake that independent artists make they pay ads right from the beginning so you shouldn't be doing that and then fifth day is recap and a little bit more um a little bit diving in a little bit deeper on some of those those steps. So do you think a lot of times with at least with this boot camp, because I'm hearing a lot of artists write me and send me in inbox messages. And I think that they do what you're saying and they try to go in and do the ads, but they don't know how to make an ad and they try to do all these things. So I think it's really good to rewind and learn first before you shell out money. So I do think this is a great idea. And I think anyone that, you know, is really confused on where to go, stop diving into the pool before you know how to swim kind of thing. Uh, Go back to the basics. And I would definitely encourage, and you said it's free to do the five-day workshop, correct? The the bootcamp, no, the bootcamp is $49. It's pretty affordable. That's not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. are free. So check those out. And if you're loving those, I mean, $50 $50 just to learn actually the basics instead of spending. Cause I know some PR campaigns are like thousands and it'd just be easier. So definitely check that out. I want to talk about some of your favorite campaigns, by the way, cause I know you've worked with different clients. Uh, do you have any like favorite campaigns or things that you kind of did that was, uh, I'd love just to hear about a couple of them. Yeah. So this is uh, not music related, but sort of music related. Yeah, no, any um, campaigns. but I did it last year and it was so fun. It was uh, for Bud Light, Bud Light Seltzer. And it was like the probably one of the best experiences just because it was so fun. They were like 
looking for like memer type of TikTokers and they had to like come up with these skits. It was one of the most creative things ever. And it was like a lot of them. It like it was a really big activation. And it was like finding them, um, getting them to create this content. And this actually is when I was working with an influencer marketing agency. And we had to do like see the um see watch the skits. Like first of all, gave them creative creative control. We just kind of gave them little guidelines. They did the script, the the skits, and then um, it's so funny too because humor is subjective. So we would always see responses from everyone like yes, no, maybe not, but some of them were just so hilarious, and it was just fun because it was one of those where like you're literally getting paid to laugh. Like <laughs> that sounds enjoyable. I yeah, it was fun. Like you were saying though, everything is business though. So like, even though that's not music, I mean, it's the same formula as what you're saying. And I think that's the mind frame to get into. Uh, have you done, are you excited about any campaigns coming up that you're working on? So any campaigns coming up? Um, so I, so I don't really do too much hands-on on the marketing side of things now. Like now I'm more so on like the whole teacher man, how to fish mentality. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but one thing I am excited is um so I have the boot camp model right how I mm-hmm. do this like low ticket offer or whatever and I'm now teaching two other people to do the same with their offerings and music so one of them is a songwriting one it's coming up I think next week so I'm excited to actually see that to a full end and then the other one is another client that I've been working with um he does he's a genius when it comes to like royalties and like the legalities behind everything and like how to register your music correctly total genius and he's actually doing a boot camp about that at the end he's also going to offer artists how to actually um set up your own labels and and actually make things legit right because at the end of the day like you said and we've been saying this is a business and you have to like make things legit no and i love that because um i've been recently going through a lot of that because i own my own company as well that does licensing and People have no idea half the things they have to have registered with their PROs, with like mechanicals, mobile, all these like, and they're like, who's? Uh, <laughs> so I love that. And there's not very much on the internet too, but I like that you're also teaching people how to fish. Like you were saying, you know, you could do it for people, but I think that's what's missing right now. People aren't learning how to do it themselves and learn how to create their fans, create their loyal fans, create business offers because your music is business. Like, and I, I just love some of the points that you're bringing up right now. So yeah, everybody that's listening, hopefully you're taking notes, a lot of good gems in this episode and you can implement it in your own life as well. Um, I do want to ask one last question and I didn't mention to this to you earlier. It's one of my favorite questions to ask at the very end. Um, if you could tell your younger self something starting out in the industry, what would you tell yourself or something that would be a little different that you wish you would have known? Oh, that's a fabulous question. Um, I would have told myself, you know, if, if music is plan A, just do plan A, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that simple because music was always plan A for me. And then when I, I went to plan B, which was culinary, and then once I got like really good at culinary, then I had that moment. If I blew up my plan B, imagine my plan A. So now this is where I am. <laughs> I love it. And I love that you're doing this and like you're killing the game. Um, I do want to let everyone know that the boot camp's going on. I will put that in the notes. And seriously, Isabella, I had such a great time talking. Uh, yeah, this was a great time. So thank you so much for coming and hanging out and talking. And like I said, I'm going to put all her socials, all the places that you can find all those free worksheets, download them, use them. Like, 
let's make the industry a little bit more of a business and actually have you have a functioning business. That'd be a great idea. So thank you so much for being on. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Lauren. This is absolutely amazing. Thank you for joining us this week on the Enlightened Musician podcast. Make sure to visit our website, theenlightenedmusician.com, where you can subscribe to the show on your platform of choice so you'll never miss an episode. Until next time, this is Lauren Light.